Special bomb pressure. Hai șase mai spate. Last week's Parsha, we learned about Maimid Har Sinai. What did Klal Yisrael do the night after Maimid Har Sinai? So the Medrash says, and it describes the thunder and the lightning and everything that happened. And the Medrash says, and what about at night? What happened at night? They were given the parsha of Mishpatim. So one might think, you have over here a day of tremendous greatness. The Yidin woke up in the morning they saw a mountain that was on fire. There was thunder, there was lightning, and they heard the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Anybody who was sick was healed. If somebody was blind, he got his vision back. If somebody was missing a limb, the limb came back. All the choylim were healed. Everybody received two crowds. They saw Malachim. They had Tchiyas HaMesim several times. It was a day of unparalleled greatness. And what did they do at night? They learned that uh, you should watch where your cow goes during the day and where your horse goes. And if you have a fire, you should make sure that you put it out. One would think that on such a great day, at night they would be talking about Shabbos, Yom Kippur, sorts of tifa halachais and here they're talking about simple things the pshat is if you look at the end of Parshas Mishpatim that's where the Torah tells us the Indian that Klal Yisrael said Nase Venishma the Torah tells us that the Nase Venishma is only Choshev when you worry about other people as well. You want to be an Erlich Hayid, it's not enough. Nasa Venishma is only Choshev when it's also Bain Odom Lichaveroi. You have to watch your fire, you have to watch your cow, you got to watch where you put your banana peel, you have to make sure that anything you do is going to be good for you and good for other people as well. There's a word I once heard from Shimon Schwab, He asked a simple question. The greatest thing that we were given, the greatest gift HaKadosh Baruch Hu ever gave us was our neshama. And we have a neshama that's Atzelim Eloikim. 
Every yid was created with a tzelem Eloikim. That is the greatest gift that you have. We don't wake up in the morning and say, Baruch Hashem, Thank you, Hashem, for giving me a tzelem Eloikim. Why not? We thank Hashem for everything else, but the greatest gift we don't say thank you for. The only time you say thank you for being created in the Tzelem Olekim is by a wedding. We say the Broch HaShayotzer Esa Odom B'Tzalmoi B'Tzelem D'Must HaVnisoi. So Shimon Schwab says, you know what the Pshat is? When a person is a bocher, most of the time you're worried about yourself. Everything you're doing, you're wrapped up in your own personal life. What yeshiva will I go to? What base medrash will I go to? Who will I marry? What will I do for Parnassa? What's my career gonna be? What's my title gonna be? How much money will I make? What car will I drive? What house will I buy? What degree will I get? All worried about me. When you get married, suddenly you got to worry about your wife and you have children. All of a sudden you start acting like God. You start worrying about other people. Then you can say, I have a tselimilikim. Our mission in this world is to become godlike people. And that only can happen when we're worried about other people. And you have to worry about what you do and the effect that what you do will have on other people and the effect of everything you do. We have a parish of Evan Ivry. Listen to this story. You have a Koyhain. He's very poor. So one day, he comes to the house of a very rich person. The rich person steps out. He sees a big box with money. He can't resist. He steals some money. He spends the money. He gets caught. He has to be sold as an evidivery to pay back the money. So here's a, here's a koyen. He's married, he has children, and suddenly he's a slave. He becomes an Evan Ivory to pay off his chayv. So one day the master comes to him and says, I want you to meet Aqualina, my Jamaican servant. My Shiva Kanan is straight from Jamaica. She's going to be your wife. He says, Are you crazy? I'm a Koyen. I can't marry a Grusha. I can only marry a certain type of girl. And now you want me to live with a Jamaican? He says, yeah, you're an Ebed Ivory. You're going to have to live with a Shivcha Kenainis. He has no choice. Nebuch, the man is a Koyen, a Chosh of a Koyen. And now he has to live with this, this woman. So he has children. And he manages to be mechanic, his kids, he teaches them brachas, he makes a seder for them. And then one day he has to go free. So the master says, you can't take the kids with you. Kids stay here. 
Your wife stays here. You go back home. What's going on over here? I had to live with her. I had children and now I have to leave them. Yes, that's the story. Why? Because you have to think, Zakram Chaim Zaychik, what's the other side of the story? What happened when you stole money from this guy? Do you think about what happened? You think, I paid back, I finished, it's over. I paid back the money, what more do you want for my life? The answer is no, that's not what happened. You stole $10,000 from a gvir. His wife finds out that he had $10,000 stolen. And she says to him, you're a fool, why'd you leave your wallet on the table? I told you to be more careful with the money. So he's angry at her because she always has to open her mouth when it comes to his business. So now they're not talking to each other. So they're not talking to each other. Who gets the blame? The kids. So they scream at their kids. And they make the kids' lives miserable because they're miserable. So what happens to the kids? The kids get upset with the parents. The kids go off the derech. So they lose their kids. And the wife tells the husband, you don't even know how to raise your children. You're a total loser. So they're having a fight. The kids are broigas. The kids are off the derech. And he thinks all that he did was he stole money and he paid it back. And the ripple effect of what he did is destroying a family. You have to think about what you're doing and what the results of what you're doing are. Simple things. You take a safer off the shelf and you don't put it back. So you figure, okay, what's so terrible? But then there's somebody else that's looking for a safer for an hour and he can't find it and he needs it. And you're causing a lot of bitl taira. I was looking for a safer. Three months later, it shows back up on the shelf. I don't know how much time I spent looking for it, but there are others for him in the same type of safer. But I was looking for that specific safer. I don't know how long somebody who had it was off the shelf. People blow their nose and put the tissues all over the table. Be a mensch. Nobody's interested in picking up your dirty tissues. Nobody wants to get sick. Nobody wants to catch your sickness. There's something called a garbage pail. We have one, it's in the hall, it's in the back. You blow your nose, put it in your pocket and throw it in the garbage, don't put it on the table. You have papers, don't leave them hanging around. People are entitled that the base medrash should be neat. People take the shtenders from the rebellion. Gesundter hate. But be a mensch and put it back. Don't make it that in the beginning of Mariv, the Rebbe has to feel uncomfortable and he's standing without a stender until some guy realizes, oh, let me run, get the stender. If you take it, put it back. I looked in the dining room this morning. If you eat, don't leave your plate on the table. There's a garbage pail. It's disgusting. 
It doesn't look appetizing. You complain about the food if the food has the slightest problem. The eggs are cold or this is that. Uh, the saksuk is not perfect. What about leaving the dining room like pigs? You have to think about other people. You have to think about what other people are. If you play football, you don't have to track up the whole building with mud. This is not the football field. You might have to take your sneakers off outside and clean them off and walk into the building with your socks. But think about other people. Both Latoyev and Lamutov. The Misa, they've told over many times about a Yid who came to the stolen Rebbe for a bracha. He was very wealthy. So the stolen Rebbe asked him, Rabbi Yankov, how did you get so rich? He said, I'll tell you the truth. When I was a teenager, your Zayda, the free Adik stolen the Rebbe, was the one who was living at the time in Stolen. And it was Erev Sukkis, and it was a very cold winter. The winter came very early, Sukkis came late. And the ground was frozen. People had a hard time putting up a Sukkah. The Rebbe didn't have a Sukkah. I came early in the morning out of Sukkot and I banged and I banged with an axe and I knocked out the ice and I created a frame for the Sukkah and then the sun came out and helped me and I was able to put up the boards and before the end of the day I called the Rebbe out, I made a Sukkah for him. So he said to me, Rebbe uncle, how can I thank you? He gave me a Sukkah for Yontiv. I give you a choice. You can have a place next to me in Oilum Haba, or you can be very wealthy. So he says to the Rebbe, I chose the money. So the Rebbe looked at him and he said, Rebbe Yankov, the Zayda offered you a place next to him in Ganeiden and you took the money? So Rebbe Yankov says back, Rebbe, I knew you would ask me that question. But I was thinking, if I have a place next to the Rebbe, that's good for me. But what's it going to do for anybody else? But if I'm rich, I can help people. I can stuck. I can take care of Aniyim and Almanas and Yesoyimim. I can support people. I can support Yeshivas. And Rebbe, that's what I've done my whole life. Here's a Yid who understands what it's all about. It's about caring for other people. That's why Nasa Venishma is only a Nasa Venishma after you worry about other people. But sometimes you have to think about the consequences. There was a class in Eretz Yisrael. It could have been a class any place. There was a boy in the class that there were certain things about him that may have been odd. And the class made fun of him. And they didn't leave him alone. 
they picked on what was what was strange and they made fun and they made fun and the boy begged them to stop he said stop it you're hurting me and they kept on doing it till one day the boy had a nervous breakdown and he had to be placed in a home in a hospital and the doctor said it was so serious they don't know if he'll ever be cured and now the class realized the consequences of what they had done and they felt terrible and they wanted to do tshuva but they knew they couldn't go to the boy and ask him mechila because he was no longer able to focus and to think and to act so they sent the shliach to Rebel Yashiv Zeichet Tzadik Levracha they asked Rebel Yashiv what could they do and you know what Rebel Yashiv said he said you can't do anything until after 120 years you can go to his kever and ask him for mechila but until he dies he can't give you mechila because as long as the sham is in his goof, his goof doesn't know what's going on. After he dies, he can go to his kever. Now all these boys have to live their lives knowing that they have this Aveira on their shoulders and there's nothing they can do until this bocher is in the kever. You have to think about what you do and what you say. You can say certain things and create an impression about certain people that can destroy them. You can make one comment and say something about somebody and destroy the person forever. There was a Misa told over also in the past about the Marshal. There was a Yid who was married I don't think he had any children at the time. His wife got very sick. And before she died, she asked him to promise that he would never get remarried. He didn't want to make her feel bad, so he promised that he wouldn't get remarried. A few months go by, He hasn't had anybody do his laundry for three months. The dishes are piled up on the sink. He's eating cornflakes three meals a day. Millville cornflakes, not to the two. He can't go on, he's suffering, he's losing weight. So he goes to the marshal, he says, what should I do? So the Marshal says, no problem, you can be Matirneta. Did you know that when you made that promise, what would things would look like three months later? He says, no. He says, okay, mutalach, mutalach, mutalach. So he gets remarried. A week after he gets remarried, he drops dead. So everyone in town is saying, serves him right. He, he promised his wife he wouldn't get remarried. He got remarried and he's dead. That's what he deserves for lying to his wife. He lied on her deathbed. Succumbed him. 
So the uh, the second wife runs to the marshal and she says, everyone is saying that he broke his nether, but I know he was matir nether. What should we do? So the marshal says, tell the Hebra Kadisha, when they come with the Oren, they should stop by my house. So as the funeral passes the house of the marshal, the marshal comes out and he wrote a tshuva. He wrote a paper, a tshuva, that this guy came to me and he was matir nether, he got remarried, he died, the whole thing. And he puts the tshuva in the coffin. A few minutes later, somebody's knocking on the door of the coffin. They open it up, the guy's back alive. So he gets decaffeinated. He goes back to his wife. A few weeks later, the wife comes back to the marshal. She says, I can't live with him anymore. She says, what's the matter? I brought him back to life. Said, yeah, but it's like living with Frankenstein. The guy's straight out of the crypt. It's scary. I look at the guy. I think of him in the grave. So the marshal says, I'm going to give you a bracha. You're going to forget everything. And she forgot the whole story and they lived happily even ever, ever after. In the book of the memories of the city of Brisk, where this happened, they write that the second miracle was greater than the first. The first miracle was just, you know, kid stuff. But the second nace was it changed somebody's impression about another person. That is a bigger miracle. You looked at this guy, he looked like Frankenstein. Now he looks like a normal person. To change someone's attitude and impression is a miracle. You give somebody a name, you give somebody a, a picture, an impression, you say something about a bocher that's nasty, you can destroy him for life. And you can say something nice, and you can save the world. There was a younger man, comes to shul one morning, and one of the big askonim comes over to him and he says, I want to give you a yashikoyach. You brought Sholem Bayes back to the Kaputnik family. Guy says, what are you talking about? He says, you gave Sholem Bayes to the Kaputnik family. We've been working with this family for five years. No one has been successful. And you brought back Sholem Bayes. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. So he says, did you go to this in the shul? You went to the basement to show you Kesef. He said, yeah, I learned there every night. So he said, uh, did, you, uh, did you see a boy learning and say something to the father? He said, yeah, there was this kid learning. I'm telling you, I never saw a kid learning like that in my life. He was a mamish, a mouse, and also the guy was learning with such a bread, such a geshmak. Wow, the way he said it over, mamish, he was geshmak. I never saw a kid like that in my life. So he went to the father. I said, you got a future Rosh Yeshiva there. He said, exactly. That's what brought Shalom Bayes to the family. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you have to understand. When people don't get along, a husband and a wife, it's because they both have a low self-esteem. This guy thinks the wife is a garnish, the wife thinks the husband is a garnish, the husband knows he's a garnish, the wife knows she's a garnish, so they both feel terrible about themselves. So what do they do? They fight with each other. 
The husband comes home, he says, Gertrude, we have a son in Rosh Yeshiva. We're great parents. So now there's Sholem bias in the family. A few simple words and the consequences were he turned around the family. You never know. There's a famous Gomorrah. Somebody went to Shammai and said, teach me the Torah while I'm standing on one foot. So by Shammai took him, Shammai took him and threw him out the window. So the guy picked himself up and he went to Hillel. He said, teach me the Torah while I'm standing on one foot. So Hillel said, the Allah Sinei Lechaver Choloi Sabbath. Zu Taira Kola Taira Kula Idach Perusha Zilgamar. This is the Taira, everything else is the Perush. Go learn it. Frek Rebel Chanan Vasim and Zechel Sadik Livrocha. How is that the entire Taira? How is that the entire Taira? The Allah Sinei Lechaver Le Sabbath is Taira Shed. That's the Taira Ben Adam Lechaver. What does that have to do with Taira Ben Adam Lamokim? Zok Rebel Chanan. Everyone knows if you do a mitzvah, you add more kedusha to the world. If you do an avera, you add a shtikel tumah to the world. In a place where there's more kedusha, you're more likely to do mitzvahs and maizim toivim. In a place where there's more tumah, you're more likely to do averas. So Rabbi Chonan says. What would you like? Would you like more Kedusha or more Tumah? Where do you perform better? By the Koshalam Aravi? Or in downtown Baltimore? Where is there more Kedusha? Where will you be more likely to do a mitzvah to have a Dvekas with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The Allah Sineh, you would not like people polluting and, and causing your world to be filled with Tumah. Don't do that to anyone. Think about what you're doing to other people. Are you bringing Kedushin to the Yeshiva? Or are you bringing Tumah into the Yeshiva? has to realize I'm in the yeshiva I have to add to the kedusha of the yeshiva don't take away from the kedusha you have to think about other people whether it's putting out a fire whether it's making sure no one trips in a boyer any boyer you put your knapsack in the middle of the floor someone can trip over it Whatever it is, be careful. Worry about other people. Think beyond yourself. Think about the Kedusha you can give to the Yeshiva and not taking away from the Kedusha. There was a Misa where Chaim Shmulevitz was once learning with somebody, Rav Silver. And the Talmud of his came in very tzabrochen. And he told him that his brother's 
His brother had a daughter that was born after 18 years of being childless. And they went through all sorts of agmas nefesh till they had this girl. And she was just nifteres. And this person was mamish totally tzabrochen and crying. Erchaim Shmulevit says to him, I want you to go to your brother and tell your brother the following message from me. If somebody has money and a poor person wants to borrow the money, let's say you have $10,000 to spare. If you lend it to an Oni, there's a risk you may not give it back. He may not be able to pay back the loan. Maybe you can invest it with a rich person. That runs into problems. Maybe uh, he'll make money and there's a shile of ribis and all of that and you lose out the mitzvah of giving tzedakah to the yoni. But if you give it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will pay you back with ribis and ribis and you'll get interest after interest and it's not a problem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you a baby and you gave it back to him. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will pay you back with ribbons and ribbons and more and more. Just don't, don't be tabrochen, don't be aggravated, don't make a big tzimis. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give you back. And then the person left to deliver the message. And as soon as he left, Rabchayim Shmulevis broke into tears and he cried hysterically. So Rab Silver said to him, Rebbe, how come you're crying now and not before? He said, if I would have cried before, I would have destroyed this brother. He was so sad. If I would have cried then, he would have thought it's a major, major tragedy. I didn't want to break him more than he was broken. So I controlled my emotions till now. Somebody who understands the effect of what you do and controls himself because he knows as much as I'm broken and pain and I want to cry, it's not good for him. So he holds himself back till the person leaves. Agavurcha, after this Misa, even though they couldn't, they had a hard time having children, HaKadosh Baruch Hu paid them back, they had ten children. The message is, we have to care about each other. Nasev and Ishma is not written in the Torah till after Mishpatim. Because you have to worry about each other. The Oren HaKodesh evolved into two Kruvim. Two children looking at each other, watching each other, caring about each other. You want to be a Shomer Teiru Mitzvah, make sure your friend is a Shomer Teiru Mitzvah. But care about each other. Care about the consequences of what you do have an effect on other people. And when you worry about that, and you're concerned about that, and you care about other people, then you have the two crowns on your head. Then you're Makabal the Torah. Then you have a Maimed Har Sinai. Then you have a day of greatness.
So we live our lives. We learn Torah. We live Torah. And we live it in a way that we care about each other. We become those people who are the descendants of those who were there by Maimed Har Sinai. And one day we'll be given back those two crowns. One day we'll be able to live forever like the Torah Midbar was supposed to. We'll be Zoichem Yerz Hashem to the Geula Shalema to be as HaMoshiach from Herav Yomei.